Sermon 22 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I, therefore, which am a prisoner in our Lord, warn you to walk as becometh you, in the calling whereto you be called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, bearing one with another in charity, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be ye one body and one Spirit, even as ye be called in hope of your calling. There is but one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We have seen this morning how God's children ought to be linked together, so as every man may help his fellow, and hearten and strengthen him, and all of us endeavour with one accord to serve God. Now, for performance hereof, we have need to correct the vices that are in us. For on the one side, we see how men are well near all inclined to loftiness, self-soothing, and self-weaning, whereof by and by breedeth scornfulness. For he that covets to advance himself must needs abase his fellows, to make himself their superior. Then is it impossible that there should be agreement among us, until we have rid ourselves of this pride and overweening, whereunto we be too much given. But if we be once knit together, then will we also be meek. For what is the cause that we be so stern towards our neighbours? and that there is nothing but rigour and roughness with us, but for that every of us coveteth to overmaster others. That, then, is the cause why there is no gentleness among us. And therefore St. Paul hath matched meekness with lowliness, for lowliness is the mother of meekness. Last of all, he setteth down patience or sufferance in bearing long with men's infirmities and vices. For... If we will needs search out by parcel meal whatsoever we shall see to be amiss in every man, surely we shall have occasion to reject both great and small, for there is not that man which is not blemished with some evil. But have we once abated the pride that I spake of, and thereupon conformed ourselves to meekness and gentleness, so as we can find in our hearts to be warned and to bear with others, and none of us is so hindered by his infirmities, but that he can abide to make account of other men as of his brethren, then shall the church by that means abide always in good plight. Now hereupon St. Paul addeth that if we intend to keep the unity of spirit, we must live together in peace. For we know that when any fire of strife is kindled, every man would have his enemies drowned in the bottom of hell. So soon then, as we give the bridle to our affections, so as we fall to spiting of this man or that man, and there groweth any heart-burning or grudge against us, then followeth partaking in the church to the breach of all concord. Therefore, if we desire to be at one, as we needs must, if we will be God's children. Let us take good heed that Satan set no odds or variance among us, and let us be quiet and endeavour to prevent troubles where we see any likelihood of them. And so ye see that we ought to observe, if we mind to help our neighbours, 
and to bring to pass that God may be honoured among us with one accord. And here we have to mark, first of all, how St. Paul, in speaking of lowliness, meekness, and patience, warneth us that if we be not where, and every man bridle himself, the devil shall always have easy access and entrance into us to trouble us. And why? For, as I said, every of us shall find the disease of ambition rooted in him, so as there is none of us, but he would fain bear some countenance of superiority, at leastwise till God have laid his hand upon him, and by his Holy Spirit beaten down all pride in him, and made him clean. But take me all those that follow their own natural sway, and surely they are ever so high-minded, as thy will not be contented, except they be exalted and made much of. St. Paul therefore thought good to warn us hereof, to the end we should learn to mislike of that vice, and endeavour to rid ourselves of it, which thing will not be done very easily, for it is a hard battle. But howsoever the world go, we must not give over, till we have gotten so much advantage of ourselves, as to know that there is nothing in us why we should be esteemed, but rather that he which thinketh himself to be excellentest of all, ought by that time that he hath sifted and examined himself thoroughly, to be ashamed and abashed at his own wretchedness. And for proof thereof, when we have thoroughly viewed all that we wean ourselves to have, wherewith to win us any favour, dignity, or reputation among men, certainly we shall find that every whit of it is the free gift of God. Now then, so much the more need have we to humble ourselves, seeing that God bindeth us so unto him. What hast thou, saith St. Paul, to boast of above other men, and to challenge as thine own? It is certain that God hath given it thee, and therefore honour him for it, which thing thou canst not do, so long as thou art puffed up with pride. So then, considering that all the virtues for which we might be praised are all records of God's goodness, and that he hath showed himself a loving father towards us, in that it hath pleased him to have us come near him after that fashion, it ought to make us cast down our eyes, and to walk in all mildness. And if we compare our virtues with our vices, surely we shall find much more wherewith to beat down our horns, than wherefore to set them up. For when a man hath cast his cards thoroughly, he shall perceive that although he have some good zeal to serve God, yet doth he but limp and halt still in that behalf, and that he hath no virtue in him which is not blemished with some spot, so as there is always one thing or other in him to put him in mind that he ought not to be proud. Again, his vices are ever more in number in great way than his virtues. What shall we then do but be ashamed of ourselves? For we do after a sort defile the holy things, when we mingle our own deformities in that wise with the gifts of God's Spirit. And therefore he that doth most excel hath caused to be the more lowly, for that he is so much the more bound unto God. Ye see then that they which are esteemed as peerless pearls and exalted as little worse than angels, ought always to bridle themselves short, 
knowing that there is not so much a blemish in them, which ought not to be taken for grievouser in them, than in such as have not received so great gifts, nay be so excellent. Besides this, there are also vices in us, even of ourselves, as I said afore, and if there be any good in us, God hath given it us of his own mere and free-bestowed mercy. And therefore it is not for us to presume, but we must impute all evil to ourselves. He then that maketh such comparison will soon beat down his overweening wherewith he was puffed up or deceived. Now if the excellentest sort of all have not whereof to vaunt themselves, what shall the meaner sort do? and such as are despised to the worldward, and have nothing to set themselves out withal. They fight against nature, if they will needs vaunt themselves. To be short, a man shall always find this ancient proverb true, that he which knoweth himself best will esteem himself least. But we must pass yet further, which is, that we must understand how we be not anything of ourselves, nor can do aught that is anything worth, and that the good which God hath put into us ought to serve to teach us meekness. When we once know that well, then shall we be thoroughly humbled, say I. And the true lowliness or humility is not to make a fair face or to pretend a mild countenance, as many do, who will speak gently and lovingly and who look ruefully, and yet for all that cease not to be as full of pride as toads within. To be short, humility importeth such a meekness as pulleth us down in ourselves and suffereth us not to advance ourselves for any degree of honour nor to seek estimation above our neighbours. Now I have told you that we shall never be meek, nor never have any gentleness and mildness in us until we be brought low. For pride doth ever hold scorn of all the world, and we see also that such as are overweening and stand in their own conceit believe themselves to be well worthy and to deserve to be exalted above the common array, do therewithal become very strange, insomuch that men dare scarce look upon them. They thrust away one, and drive away another a great way off. Therefore we must have learnt to humble ourselves. To the end we embrace such as are our true brothers, specially since we know that we have need to be born with at their hands. For behold, it is said of our Lord Jesus Christ that he doth easily let us come unto him, because he himself was tempted and made like unto us, and that he beareth with our weakness and infirmities, because he hath had experience of them in himself. Now it is certain that our Lord had not any vice in him, for he is the wellspring of all goodness. Yet notwithstanding, to the intent that we on our side should not stick to resort to him familiarly, and to the end we should be heard of God his Father for his sake. It is said that he had compassion on us, because he had felt what man and man's infirmities are, howbeit without any spot of sin, as I said afore. Now then, how shall we do if we have this foolish belief that we be thoroughly perfect? Seeing that pride is so rooted in our nature, how shall we pity such as we see in mystery, if we consider not first that we be no better worth than they? So then let us mark well 
that to be kind-hearted, gentle and friendly, all pride must first be beaten down in us. Furthermore, let us mark also that kind-heartedness is the mother of patience, and the continual bringer forth of that fruit, and that if we be too stern, it is a sign that there is cruelty in us, and that we be as wild beasts, and thereby also we be convicted of pride and overweening, and that we have not well learned the lesson that St. Paul copieth us out here. Indeed, we ought to be grieved at the faults of our neighbours, and we must not feed them by our flattery, as the common fashion of the world is, but yet must our zeal be so measured, as we must bear with a great sort, for we ourselves also have need to be borne with all, and not be hastier with other folks than we would that they should be with us, but always keep this natural uprightness of not doing that thing to our neighbour which we would not have done to ourselves, which is the sum of the law and the prophets, as our Lord Jesus Christ saith. Ye see then how our zeal ought to be mingled with kind-heartedness, for if it be sourced altogether with vinegar, what will come of it? There will be no taste or savour in it. Therefore it must have some oil put into it, and so there must be some temperature in all corrections to sweeten them withal, that they may be not over-rigorous. To be short, St. Paul meant to show us here that although we ought not to bolster out any evil, but rather to be moved with godly zeal to condemn such as deserve it, yet notwithstanding we must not reject the weaklings as though they were utter reprobates or castaways, but labour to win them to our God, according as we have seen already, that that way ought to be observed. For there are two evil extremities, but look whatsoever God hath ordained by his Holy Spirit, that will always be found to be for every man's welfare. The one of these evil customs is that a man cannot be well taken with the world, except he flatter. Whoso intendeth to maintain himself must play the blinkered and shut his eyes when he sees a number of things in his friends worthy of blame. And yet, in the meanwhile, is not such silence a secret betraying? For we see that they whom we pretend to love are in the highway to destruction, and wholly hardened in their naughtiness, and yet notwithstanding, whereas we ought to waken them, or else to set a looking-glass before them, that they might behold their lewdness and be ashamed of it, we wink at it. Instead of so doing, every of us doth coax others, and cloaketh the things that ought to be sharply rebuked, insomuch that those flatteries are no better but plasters to ease the sore, and in the meanwhile to feed the root of it within." The other evil extremity is when we be so rigorous that every little fault is enough to make us to storm. Since it is so, we shall never have the spirit of meekness aforesaid, if we be not guided and governed by God's spirit, as I said afore. And hereby a man may see and judge that there is a certain pride lurking within us, wherethrough we take too much upon ourselves. To be short, there is never any over-great rigour without cruelty, nor cruelty without pride. Whosoever despiseth his neighbours, setteth to himself by himself, and he that can bear with nothing, but is so terribly stern that all sins are, in his opinion, unpardonable, 
showeth also that there is no manhood or humanity in him. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to bear in mind that which St. Paul showeth us here, which is to forgive and forbear. Not that we should allow men's vices, as I said afore, nor that they should have leave to do evil without rebuking, but that we should patiently rebuke men's faults, and be sorry for them, and in so doing of our duty, not forget also to bear with the frailty and weakness of our neighbours, so as we shame them not, nor strike them into such heaviness that they fall into despair, when they see there is no forbearing nor any forgiving at our hands. That then is the thing that we ought to bear in mind. And it is the very cause why St. Paul addeth that men should bear with one another in charity or love, as if he should say that forasmuch as we be brothers together, there should need none other rule than that to make us as well kind-hearted, as also patient and lowly. And for proof thereof he saith in the thirteenth of the first epistle to the Corinthians, that charity hath these three things, first that it is gentle and kind-hearted, secondly that it moveth us to be lowly and meek, and thirdly, that it is patient and suffereth all things. Those are three qualities which Paul attributeth unto lovingness. For if we demand what is the rule of holy life, the scripture telleth us that love is the full performance thereof, because it is the bond of perfection and the end and fulfilling of the law. Lo, how these texts do teach us charity, Again, our Lord, also intending to conclude the doctrine of the law, setteth down these two points, namely, that we should love him with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our power and strength, and our neighbours as ourselves. Then, if we think to be allowed of God, and charity reign not in us, we deceive ourselves. The world may like well of us, but all our whole life shall be utterly loathsome before God until charity be settled in our hearts, so as she govern us, and we tend always unto her, yea, and work all our works by her. Now then, seeing that love is the true perfection of the faithful, and of all God's children, let us see what it importeth. For if a man brag that he hath it, and in the meanwhile have neither lowliness nor gentleness, nor patience, he maketh the Holy Ghost a liar, who not without cause showeth what is betokened by charity or love. For he hath not set down the bare word, and only said, Be ye charitable, but he hath also showed us what is meant by it, namely, first of all, that we must beat down this pride which beguileth us, and maketh us toss with our horns against God, insomuch that it were right hard for us to be lowly-minded towards men, when we cannot hold ourselves meekly in obedience under God. Now then, let us fight in such wise as all pride may be corrected in us, and therewithal enforce ourselves always to humility, that we may be kind-hearted and fellow-like with the faithful, which cannot be done but by bearing with one another. The very heathen men had the skill to say that if we had the wit and discretion to see the vices that are in ourselves, we should be patient towards others. For why? I have need to be born with all myself, and if I do not the like to other folks, how partially do I deal? 
This consideration alone ought to tame us sufficiently, though there were neither law nor gospel. Wherefore, inasmuch as we know that charity importeth these three things, let us learn to be patient, not only when any wrong is done us, but also when we see our neighbours to be weak and feeble, and not yet come to such perfection as were requisite. And though they be not so well forward and settled in God's word, as we would wish, yet let us pity them, and with all meekness endeavour to use such correction towards them, as neither their vices may be nourished, nor the parties themselves be cast in despair. Thus you see that we have to mark upon that strain. Now hereupon St. Paul inferreth further that, as I have touched heretofore, we must keep the unity of the spirit, or the bond of peace. For he setteth here the unity of spirit as a mark that is requisite in the church and flock of God, insomuch that if we be at odds among ourselves, we be at odds with God. And therewithal he showeth us the thing that we have seen briefly before, which is that if we be not one among ourselves, God disclaimeth us, and telleth us we belong not unto him. This unity, therefore, is a thing that ought to be much set by nowadays, seeing it is the means in respect whereof we be acknowledged for God's children. True it is that the wicked and the unbelievers have their confederacies, and are so linked one to another, as there is not a straighter alliance to be found in the world. For even their evil doings do bind them one to another, as though they were fast sewed together, because they perceive themselves to be hampered, insomuch that he which hath conspired in some mischief with another nautipac will be afraid of him, and that fear is as a bond that cannot be broken. Howbeit, St. Paul presupposeth here that the faithful are at one in God, as he will declare anon. For this cause he showeth them how the same unity may be kept. It is, saith he, the bond of peace. For when a fire is once kindled, it is not so soon quenched again. We imagine that when we cast ourselves into a chafe, we can come to ourselves again by and by, and all shall be whist and still out of hand again. No, for the devil doth so set in his foot that the strife and contention turneth to a deadly sting, so as men are envenomed with it more and more, and although they show it not outwardly, nor cast up their rage and froth, yet notwithstanding some heart-biting and heart-burning will lurk still within, when there hath been any debate. And therefore, as I said, let us not think that when any trouble is stirred up, it will be pacified so soon as we would have it. In consideration whereof St. Paul telleth us that the church shall perish every turning of a hand through that fire if we continue not in quiet and shun all strife and debate. And now he showeth what manner of atonement or union it is that he hath spoken of, saying that there is but one God and one faith, and one baptism, that there is but one hope whereunto we be called, and that there is but one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is above us all and in us all. It was very requisite that this should be added, to show that peace shall never be good, nor allowed of God, but rather accursed, unless it have a good groundwork. For what a peace were it, 
if we would nowadays link in with the papists. We should be fain to forsake the pure doctrine of the gospel and to bend ourselves against God and to defile ourselves with all manner of filthiness and abomination. But it were better that the whole world were sunk and we with it than to seek such peace. As much should we be fain to do in respect of the Turks, for there is none of them both but he seeketh to wrap us in destruction and to pluck us away from God. Now, if there be such atonement among us, as we will needs enjoy all that our fleshly lust craveth, what confusion will there be? Verily, oftentimes God's servants are accused of conspiracy and of spiteful malice and stubbornness, because they cannot find in their hearts to consent to any wickedness, insomuch that they which are in any authority and credit would usurp any manner of tyranny to hinder the preaching of God's word, as it ought to be, and devise what they list of their own brain, so that, albeit there be preaching still, yet shall it not be free according to God's word. If God's servants be driven to this, needs must we be troubled by Satan and his champions, and we shall be both blamed and defamed everywhere. For such folk will always do their office in turning good into evil by their false reports and flaunders. Howsoever the world go, no peace is commendable, but such as doth so join us together as God reigneth over us, and we become all one in him. For without that it shall be but curseness. And so you see why St. Paul calleth us back here to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ, and unto faith of the gospel and to baptism, to show how we ought to agree among ourselves. Now then, we have here two points to bear in mind. The one is that in seeking atonement with men, we must always have our eye upon God, and when we be come to it, we must be settled in it more and more. That is a thing which we must ever have a care of. Now in general it is true that peace is to be desired, and that the very name of it is had in estimation among men. But yet for all that, we must not so shroud ourselves under the shadow of peace as to separate ourselves from God, that in the end we make war against him and he proclaim us to be his enemies. And for that cause it is said that we must be at continual battle with the wicked. For inasmuch as they serve Satan, they will not cease to fight against God and our salvation, and therefore we must not be cold and negligent in that behalf, but zealous in setting ourselves against them, insomuch that, although they be in honour and credit, yet let us abhor them. As it is said in the psalm, let them be unto us as stinking and loathsome things, and full of filth and uncleanness. Though they boast never so much of their greatness, yet let us assure ourselves it were much better that they were drowned with all their bravery in the bottom of hell, than that they should so exalt themselves against God. Ye see, then, that we must esteem the greatest men of the world no better than worms, when they dare so bend their horns against God, and consequently that we can have no peace with them, seeing we should be fain to forsake God for their pleasure. But, as I said afore, it were better that the world were turned upside down, than it should be so. Now then, if we knit together in God, let us follow the rule that is given us here, that is to wit, to be so abased in ourselves, as the world may perceive by our mildness, that there is no more loftiness in us to set us at odds. 
and like as kind-heartedness bringeth patience, so also let us condemn men's vices, and yet labour always to draw the parties unto God, and to win them unto Him, rather than to set them off through sharpness. But now let us come to the words that are couched here by St. Paul. He saith, that we be one body and one spirit, as we be called to one hope of our calling. First and foremost, he showeth us upon what condition we be called of God, that is to wit, that there should be such a knot among us, as might show that we be in very deed the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is not enough for us to be cast up together like a heap of stones, but we must be knit together with a hearty good will. And like as it is said that there was but one heart and one mind among the faithful in the primitive church, so must the same appear among us too at this day. St. Paul then, in telling us that we be one spirit and one body, meaneth that we be made, as it were, all one man in Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ can well find in his heart to communicate his name to all the company of the faithful, and that is to the end to draw us the more to the said affection of living together in concord and brotherly love, even with such atonement as we may be brethren. That is to say, so knit together as the fingers of a hand, for without that we can never show that we be desirous to attain to the kingdom of heaven. That therefore is the thing which he meant by the two words body and spirit. True it is that when God's spirit governeth us, he reformeth our affections in such wise that our minds are knit together. But howsoever the case stand, St. Paul meant to declare that all the whole body of the faithful is but as one man. For it is not for any man to put forth himself there, but we must be linked all together, every man in his office or calling. To be short, we must be but all as one, as shall be declared anon more at length. For as much then, as there is none other to govern us but Jesus Christ, we must needs be made all as one man in him. And soothly we know that the thing which was said of Adam and Eve, and of all married folks and their wives, must also be accomplished in the church, which is that the church is bone of our Lord Jesus Christ's bone, and flesh of his flesh, and so there is a marriage betwixt them. Now if we be so knit all together to the Son of God, it is reason also that we should agree among ourselves, and that one union should extend through all the whole body. For it is impossible that our Lord Jesus Christ should reign over us, and yet notwithstanding that we should be divided among ourselves, seeing that he is but one. Let that therefore serve for the one point. Now St. Paul, to stir us up to the better hereunto, telleth us that we be called unto an inheritance. In saying so, he showeth that there is a much holier atonement between us than there is between the natural brothers of this world. For although they be born of one father and one mother, so as they be but one blood, yet notwithstanding, every man shifts for himself anon after, and the inheritance is parted among them, so as the brethren seem to be separated asunder, and the natural bond that was among them before to be half broken. But we have an inheritance that cannot be broken. A man cannot say, I have that which belongeth to me, I will get me away, I will dwell alone by myself. For what is our inheritance? It is God himself and moreover the heavenly life which is purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ, and whereinto he himself is gone for us, to gather us thither to him. Seeing then that we be all called to one selfsame inheritance, if any of us shrink aside from his brethren, it is all one as if he gave over his part in the kingdom of heaven. But we would abhor such a blasphemy. If a man should demand of any of us whether he would renounce his part of paradise, it would make the hairs to stand up upon his head. I mean even of them that have no fear of God at all. No doubt, 
but there are some so wicked and monstrous beasts that they will flush out this blasphemy out of their mouth, that they renounce their salvation. But if ye ask it of a man that is well advised, he will always abhor it and detest it. Yet notwithstanding, in very deed, we go about to shut ourselves out of the gate, and to bar ourselves from coming in the kingdom of God, and we wipe away the hope of it that is given us by the gospel, when we be not knit together among ourselves. Were this thoroughly printed in our hearts, surely there would be another manner of friendship and brotherliness among us than there is, and men should see other manner of meekness, mildness, and patientness. Now, though we have hitherto been misadvised, yet is it much better to take warning late than never. Wherefore, let us learn by this doctrine of St. Paul's, that whensoever we be provoked to displeasure, so as we seem to have some cause to reject one, to leave another, and to separate ourselves from him or her, we must understand that we have all one hope of the kingdom of heaven, and that Jesus Christ, who is our head, calleth us all unto him, with this condition set afore us, without which we cannot come at him, which is, that we must show truly, and by our deeds, that we make account of all such as are partakers of the gospel with us, as of our brethren, and as though they were our own flesh and blood, and also that we be so joined together as the fingers of one hand, as I said afore. And hereupon, St. Paul, going forward with the same doctrine, saith, There is but one Lord. It is certain that hereby he meaneth one God, who hath sovereign dominion over us, and is our master to keep us in unity, because he cannot abide that we should be at odds. In the twelfth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, St. Paul saith that there is but one God to show the service which we owe unto God, especially for granting us of his gifts wherewith to edify his church. But his attributing of sovereignty unto God in this text is to do us to wit that we cannot serve God unless we be at unity among ourselves. And why? For although a mortal man be variable and change his mind from morning to night, yet will he not have any discord in his house, if there be any broil, or if there rise any strife, he cannot away with it. And what shall God do, who is the God of peace, as he nameth himself in the scripture, seeing he will have us to gather together under him, and telleth us that he sitteth among us, and that we be his house? Think we that we can wind him into our troubles, contentions, skirmishings, hurly-burlies, and heats with us? Then should he be fain to transfigure himself, and to change his nature." But let us not imagine that he will deny himself, as St. Paul saith, but he shall be fain to cut us off as rotten members, and to show that we belong not unto him, when he seeth that we come nothing near him. And therefore let us resort to the said sovereignty and dominion which God hath over us, to the intent to allay all strifes and variances that Satan shall endeavour to raise up among us. For if servants, although they be discontented with another, and have heart-burning grudge or such other things among themselves, do nevertheless bridle themselves for love of their master, and agree again among themselves. What shall we do, when as the case concerning the pleasing of our God? So then St. Paul declareth in effect, that when we be so wayward, and can bear with nothing, but will fall out for every small and light occasion, it is a token not only that we displease men, but also that we rebel against God, and are loath to yield him any subjection. Thus ye see in effect what we have to consider upon that saying. Now he addeth that there is but one faith, and but one baptism, and but one God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His saying that there is but one faith is to show that we have one common treasure even in this world. For he hath spoken already of the heritage which we hoped for, and which is warranted us in heaven. 
though it be not manifested to us as yet. Now what is the pledge of the endless life but the gospel? And that have we in common together. Seeing it is so, then if the faithful should forsake one another's company, surely the gospel should be as good as torn in pieces. For we must always weigh well this word one, which St. Paul hath couched here, and so often repeated, in saying that there is but one hope of our calling. And how? Hereby he showeth that we go about to break and disperse the kingdom of God, as much as is in us, when we live not in concord. It is said that there is but one God. It is then, as it were, a hewing of the hope of our salvation in pieces, when we cannot suffer God to govern us, and to hold us under his protection. So now, when he saith that there is but one faith, surely it is not long of us that the gospel is not torn in pieces and gobbets and rent all to fitters, as they say, when we cannot agree with our brethren, nor bear with them gently and patiently, as was commanded heretofore. That, then, is the thing whereunto God calleth us. Now we ought to profit ourselves by it double. The one way is by abhorring all diversity of opinions, and by looking well to ourselves, that we have but one faith in our heart, and but one confession in our mouth. For if the faithful do contrary one another, it is certain that they show sufficiently that they have not the gospel on their side. At least the one part must needs err from the truth. It is true that erewhiles it may well happen that all of us shall not conceive one self-same thing, and in that case St. Paul shows us a remedy, which is that he which is not sure that God hath revealed the truth unto him should hold himself in quiet and pray God to lead him further. But yet in the meanwhile it behoveth us to be fully resolved of the articles of our faith, and to agree so together in them, that if every of us be demanded severally, he may show that he holdeth none other thing than that which is the general belief of the church. That then is the first point which we have to mark in St. Paul's telling of us that there is but one faith. Howbeit this faith is not one, because men have found means in their brains to unite themselves together by it, for God must be fain to bring them to it because they cannot come hither, nor abide in it one minute, except God strengthen them in his truth. Then must there needs be an interchangeable bond between faith and the gospel, that like as the gospel, whereof God is the author, is but one, so our faith also must be but one. Also, as touching the doctrine, it is not enough for us to confess God altogether with one mouth, but it must also teach us to hold ourselves so linked together all in one unity, as every of us do travail to his neighbour's benefit, and consider wherein we may serve his turn, and apply ourselves faithfully thereunto, bearing with them that are weak, honouring them that have received more largely of God's gifts than we, and making none account of ourselves, that we may attain to the highness whereunto God calleth us, which is, that we may be partakers of his glory, when we have so humbled ourselves, and walked in this world with all lowliness and modesty. Thus much concerning that is said in this text, that there is but one faith. Hereupon St. Paul telleth us also that there is but one baptism. By baptism we put on Jesus Christ, as he saith in another place, and be joined unto him to be partakers of his life and of all his benefits. Now there is but one only baptism, wherein the name of Jesus Christ is always called upon, as he is our Redeemer. We be baptized in the name of the Father, as the author of our salvation, in the name of the Son, as of him that hath performed all that belong to our redemption, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, by whom we be sanctified, to possess and enjoy the incomprehensible benefits that are purchased for us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing then that God doth so call us to him by a visible sign, must it not needs be that we be too froward, 
like wild and mad beasts, if we continue not in such unity as he commandeth. And not without cause hath St. Paul matched baptism and belief of the gospel here together. For he had respect of our rudeness. We be so dull that we conceive not spiritual things unless they be set down agreeably to our nature. St. Paul spake heretofore of hope to Godward, and now, because we perceive not the things that are above the world, or do not easily understand the doctrine, he spake likewise of the union of faith, and of the union of the body, and the soul. Well, will some man say still, all this is spiritual, and passeth man's understanding. Ye see, then, that the things which he hath spoken heretofore might seem somewhat dark, so as we might not find such savour in them as were requisite. But St. Paul bringeth us back to the visible sign, whereby God giveth us an inkling of himself, according to the infirmity of our flesh. For in baptism we see the water, which showeth us that we be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. For inasmuch as by nature we be all unclean, and utterly rejected, and cursed of God, in the death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ we be reconciled unto God his Father, and by that means are called to the glory of heaven, and renewed by the power of his Holy Ghost. Ye see, then, that we must needs be too dull and brutish if we perceive not the thing that is so visible and open. For it is all one as if God had set us forth an image in shape of the thing that is too high for us by reason of our frailty. To be short, St. Paul's intent here is not to separate baptism and the gospel asunder, but he hath rather added it as a visible mark to the intent that if we at the first brunt understand not the unity of faith whereunto we be led by baptism, he may do us to wit, as if it is all one, as if God had printed the mark of adoption in our heart to show that we be his. For being once baptized with water, we do all hear Jesus Christ, according as it showed us by that visible sign, and now that baptism is ordained, shall every man have a baptism of his own by himself. No, but baptism is always but me." and therefore we must have an eye to ourselves, and dedicate ourselves to the one only God, and to the one only Saviour, Jesus Christ. And for performance thereof we must also be well united together. And by these words of St. Paul's, we may see plainly that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are but one God. For if baptism be in such wise one, as it serveth to bring us to an unity of body and soul, that is to say, to a brotherhood that passeth all the alliances of the world, what shall it be when we come unto God, of whom baptism taketh all the power that it hath? And what is God? He is not only the Father, but Jesus Christ is joined with him, and also the Holy Ghost. So then let us mark that there is truly an unity in the essence of God, and that although there be distinction of persons, yet is not God separated nor divided in himself. And although the Father be named simply God, as St. Paul will speak thereof hereafter, that is in respect of the distinction and order, and for that he is the head of him which was sent to be the mediator, because Jesus Christ abased himself, and although he had, for example, all shape unto God, as saith St. Paul, and that it had him no robbery for him to have showed himself in such sovereign majesty, yet it was his will to abase himself, yea, and to empty himself utterly. But howsoever it be, yet we see that baptism leadeth us right unto God, and thereby we see that which we have touched heretofore, which is, that if our peace and concord be not grounded in God, and we governed by him according to his word, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, there is nothing but loathliness in us. But if we be touched to the quick with that which is said unto us here, that is to wit, that Jesus Christ hath linked us to him, with condition that we also should link one with another, 
we shall be held in such concord as the devil shall not be able to win so much at our hands as to separate us from the flock, but we shall overcome all temptations, and where there be any vices and infirmities, we shall bear with them mildly and patiently, and continue in the holy union, whereto we be daily exhorted by the gospel, and by the common baptism which we have received. Now let us cast ourselves down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us so to perceive them, as we may mislike more and more of them, and run back unto him with true repentance, and to obtain such grace of him, as we may withdraw ourselves from all defilements, and by that means learn to be unabashed or undismayed for any assaults of Satan, and be able to overcome them all, with all the hardness that he can trump in our way, to turn us out of the path of salvation, that it may please him to grant this grace not only to us, but also to all people and nations of the earth etc. End of Sermon 22